Yeah, good morning, church, and uh, thank you, Brother Ray, for your prayers. Uh, it has been an heavy week, but uh, we give thanks to the Lord for the opportunity He has given us again to bring God's words, uh, God's word to you this morning. Uh, I need to be honest. Uh, if I would choose, I would not be preaching this passage today. Uh, but in God's sovereignty, yeah, he has established uh, in his wisdom uh, that I should be here this morning. And today we will be concluding our series on the book of Judges. Many can say, oh, yes, I'm happy Judges is finished. This cycle of repentance, of forgetting God, repentance, crying for deliver, and then God deliver his people, and then he for, the people forget again, it's coming to an end. But there is a lot of deep things that I believe we were able to learn from this book. And because God's word has been breathed by him, has been breathed by his Holy Spirit. We know that each detail, each story, each narrative we have in the Bible, it is for our instruction, it is for our rebuke, it is also for us to know our God more and more. And I say, as I say, I did not want to preach these last two chapters or three chapters of judges and the, the reason why i was a little bit reluctant to do that it was because i knew the content of this passage and i really think that it is one of the heaviest passage to preach in the bible if you have read this passage in advance you mostly will agree with me this passage is a gruesome passage in many times, like giving detail or graph details of some horrific events, and therefore it is revolting. And it is illustrating the depravity of Macon's heart, as we will see. This chapter teach, teaches us that unrepented sin can always or will always escalate. As we read this passage, we see that personal sin will escalate to a sinful behavior of a community and that will be in chapter 19 which then escalate to the behavior and the sinful behavior of a tribe in chapter 20 which escalate into a sinful behavior of the whole nation of israel and this is important for us to note because this narrative is not about any other people or any people who does not have a covenant with with god it is not about the act of uh, the people of sodom and gomorrah or even of the canaanites where israel in in the land was israel was living but it is about the very people of god the israelites and i believe that what the author wants us to see from this narrative is what happens when God's people resolve to do what is right in their own eyes 
rejecting the Lordship of Christ in their lives. In other words, the author wants us to see what will happen to God's people when they choose not to walk by the Spirit, but to walk in satisfying their fleshly desire. All right, as I was saying, Judges 19, 20 to 21 involves one disaster after the other. As we will see this time, the problem was not the enemy outside, but the enemy within the people of Israel themselves. The problem was from inside out to outside. They had adopted the attitudes of the Canaanites, the views of the culture that they were surrounded with, and this was, or they were being destroyed from within. Brothers and sisters, what we will see manifested in a cold and wicked way outwardly in this passage is for you and for me in many areas of our lives an inward reality. And have this in mind as we progress. And I believe that the spirit of the living God wants to make us aware of these inward realities and cause us to wash ourselves and make ourselves clean. The Holy Spirit wants to cause us to remove the evil of our deeds from before God's eyes. And he wants us to cease to do evil and to learn to do good. He wants us for us to seek justice, to correct oppression and to bring justice to the fatherless, to plead the widow's case or cause and to do and so that God can cleanse us white as a snow, even when our sins are like the red scarlet. I'm not advocating here for the doctrine of works at all, at all. I'm talking about faith-fueled efforts for us to walk in obedience to God from inside, outside, from inwardly to outwardly. So let's just do a quick review where we are at in the story of the book of Judges. So we saw from chapter one to chapter three, verses six, that they were presenting to us the roots of Israel unfaithfulness, which was disobedience. You remember that God commanded Israel to destroy all Canaanites as they come to the promised land and to destroy all, all their idols. But they didn't do that when they just came to the land. Israel didn't obey. And then from chapter 3, verse 7, up to chapter 16, verse 31, we saw then the downward spiral of Israel unfaithfulness. This era involved a number of cycles. Each cycle began with idolatry, followed with God's response, enemy oppression, and then people repenting and God uh, 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 bringing a deliverer for Israel, and this deliverer sent them free. 
But each time Israel cry out and ask God, God always heard them. And then from these last five chapters, we saw then the depths of Israel and faithfulness. The first two were a twofold um, concluding story where the first was a picture of the Israel religious idolatry and the faithfulness because of their disobedience to God. And the second one, which is from verse from chapters 19 to chapter 22, which is our passage of today, reveals the moral effect of the Canaanite influence. So the theme of the book of Judges is the repeated phrase. In those days, there was not a king in Israel and each person did what was right in his own eyes. The Canaanite thinking invaded their hearts and their lives. Thus, the characters in today's passage did what was right in their own eyes. But as they do that, or as they did that, we will see that the result of their actions, according to their own eyes, are horrific. Their actions resulted in murder. Their actions resulted in rape. Their actions resulted in kidnapping and a civil war in the nation of Israel. Our world, our world also approves of doing what is right in our own eyes today. In fact, it see no standard of right or wrong. What is right is what seems right to the individual. If someone wakes up and decides, okay, I'm not anymore a man, I became a woman, they just do their lives in that decision. If someone decides he's pregnant, but my body per belongs to me and I'm the one that knows what is good to me, even if I kill the baby inside my womb, it is right. And the world today, we applaud those people that come forth with this courage. And there are many organizations be backing up and supporting those acts. Why? Because men think that they have right to do what is right in their own eyes. But usually I hear believers blame everything bad on those outside the church, when the real problem often lies within. We believers, we are also doing things according to our own eyes in many areas of our lives. Instead of being focused on politics or culture, blaming them for all that is wrong with this world and for the sin that pervades our day and age, we need to look at our own stuff and recognize that we are responsible as well. Just like Israel, 
the covenant people of God acting in the way that we will see the church today is acting according their own eyes many people in the church if we understand that god's kingdom meaning the place where god's exercise his lordship over our lives is within from within in our hearts we will see that we have allowed the canaanite within us to take place and to rule our lives instead of god since God does not yet have all of our hearts, if we are honest with ourselves. We are our own worst enemy. The Canaanite in the land has become the Canaanite in the hearts of God's own people. And as we see today, seven marks of the Canaanites in our hearts my prayer is that God will take us to that place of repentance and to the end of ourselves so that he may help us to inwardly resolve to obey him and to do his will at any time, no matter the cost. And doing that, we can always surrender completely our heart, our whole heart to him. So let's dive in and start. Uh, seeing what judges from chapter 90 to 21 have to say to us in this regard. Initially, the Bible says there in chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, of oh, chapter 19, sorry, verses 1 to, to 3. In those days, when there was no king in Israel, a certain Levite was sojourning in the remote parts of the hill country of Ephraim, who took to himself a concubine for, from Bethlehem in Judah. And his concubine was unfaithful to him, and she went away from him to her father's house at Bethlehem of Judah, and was there some four months. Then her husband arose and went after her to speak kindly to her and bring her back. He had, he had with him his servant and a couple, a couple of donkeys. And she brought him into his father's house. And when the girl's father saw him, he came with joy to meet him. Verse 3, up to there. So we learned here from here that in those days, the Bible says that there was not king in Israel and mark this uh, phrase. And one of Levite, who we can say that he was a priest, had a concubine. And scholars are discussing if the concubine really, really, was betraying this Levite or even was angry, only angry on his husband or her husband. The term concubine here, other says that it can be a spouse, really, a, 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 a wife, or others say that it has only a, a sexual uh, woman that the Levite uh, had pleasure with at any time he wanted. But without really getting into that debate, if he was, uh, she was unfaithful, 
or that she was simply upset with her husband. That's why he went back to uh, her father's house. The fact in here is that we need to pay attention is that this Levite uh, had a concubine, a concubine. And we see then that he went after her at her father's place. And as she arrives there, we see that she, he begs her to come back with, with her. To cut this long story short, we see that after five days that he stayed in the house of uh, her father-in-law, or his father-in-law, this Levite takes his wife back with him uh, to his own town. Nevertheless, what we can understand in one way or the another is that the behavior of this Levite towards these women was not appropriate. If he used her only as sexual instrument, or if he was abusive to these women, it is not a kind of behavior that we can expect from a priest. And this is what the Bible from the, this very starting point is trying to show us the, the, the state of the moral behavior of the Israelite in those days. If these men, who was supposed to be the priest, the one that will take people to, to God, to praise and worship God as this kind of behavior, then we can then understand what was happening in Israel in those days. So in verse 15, as we continue uh, uh, reading the story, we see that in their journey back to their place, they decided not to stay in the land of the Jebusites because the Levites say, the Levites say they are not the people of God. Then in verse 15, the Bible says that, and they turned aside there to go, to go in and spend the night at Gibeah. And he went in and sat down in the open square of the street for no one took them into his house to spend the night. So from this point, we can see then the first mark of the Canaanite within us. And the Canaanite within us, the first mark of this Canaanite within us is the one that says, I am not my brother's keeper when it is inconvenient or costly. Why do we say so? In Israel, it was a law for them to be able to embrace and to be hospitable to those that are foreigners. And we see that this man has said in the open square of the city, and the Bible here says that no one took them into his house to spend the night. And you can contrast here the attitude of the people of Gibeah and his 
father-in-law in the first verses, and you will see a contrast there. And here we learn this. We learn that the attitude of the men of Gibia is, I don't care. Even if the Bible, if the, if the law says that we need to be hospitable to those that are visiting, visiting us, I will not do that. Because it is inconvenient or costly to me. Those that are aware of the story or uh, may know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, probably here we can see something similar. We see that these men that were visiting there in Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah, they were received by Lot. But here we see the people of Gibeah rejecting to be a host for this man and his wife, the Levite and his wife. What happened then? If we continue reading, we will see that an old man comes and say, look, by any means, you don't stay overnight here. Come to my house. I will uh, host you in my house. And that's where then we understand and we see from God's word that this man embraces and invited these people, uh, the, Levite, the Levite and uh, 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 his wife to his house. And there he, we see something very, very uh, dramatic happen from verse 22 to verse 26. But let's just very quickly try to apply this very first point. Brothers and sisters, we are living in a days and we can be aware of the circumstances around us. The pandemic is forcing us as a people like to live away from others. I know and we are conscious of that and even the proof as a church that we are conscious of that is that we are working from home because of the situation you know that is affecting our, our pastor's family. We are conscious of that. But at the same time, we need to be aware and not allow our hearts to grow cold towards relationship, towards being with one another, towards gathering, towards inviting people to our home. Living in this pandemic for one year has taught many people that they don't need relationship in their lives they not they don't need to be hospitable in their lives and as a church we must be aware of that and not allow our hearts to grow cold in terms of relationships why because we need to obey god's word and god's word is saying unto us that we need relationship among the church for us to be able to grow. That's why I invite you again, every time that you can, please come presentially in our service on Thursday. It is important. 
it is important. Yes, we bless the means of te technology, but we are often repeating ourselves that this is not the way God has instructed us in his word for us to be worship him. We praise God for everything that he has done so far. But as a church, we must cry out to God for us to be able to come together again, even if it is in small groups. So you are invited to do that. And this is, I believe, a sober thought for us at this point. So the story continues there. The Levite and the, his wife or the concubine, they are now in the house of this old man in the city of Jebiah. Uh, and from verse 22, we read, the Bible says, as they were making their hearts merry, behold, the men of the city, wordless fellows surrounded the house, beating on the door. And they say to the old man, the master of the house, bring out the men who came into your house that we may know him. And the man, the master of the house went out to them and say to them, no, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Since this man has come into my house, do not do this vile thing. Behold, here are my virgin daughter and his concubine. Let, let me bring them out now. Violate them and do with them what seems good to you. But against these men, do not do this outraged thing. But the men would not listen to him. So the men seized his concubine and made her go out to them. And they knew her and abused her all night until the morning. And as the dawn began, to break, they let her go. And as the morning appeared, the women came and fell down at the door of the men's house where her master was until it was light. Brothers and sisters, from this verse, we see a second characteristic or a second mark of the Canaanite within us, which is that the Canaanite within us, it lives for their own sexual pleasure. I want to be clear that sex is a gift from God. It was not man that created sex. Sex is good. And it is a blessing. God created sex to inaugurate and also to renew a covenant in marriage between a man and the women. But when we step out of the boundaries of the covenant of marriage and think that we can satisfy our sexual desires in any way, and remember, God specifically says that it is between a husband and a wife, men and women, not men and men or women and women. When we step out these boundaries that God has established, all sexual activity is a sinful activity. 
we can say that we as a man, we are in the forefront of this battle. Yes, we cannot say that no to that. Even that women also abound and women also are being slaves into that. We need to realize and to acknowledge even from the scriptures that we as a man, we are focused, we are the focus of this battle. But see what happens in here, brothers and sisters. This old man, because he was the host, and we know that the principle from the principle in the Bible that those that will host someone, they were also responsible to protect them. And this old man was trying to protect them, but just see how he thinks that he needs to protect this man from being raped, from being sexual abused by the men of this Jibea town or city. He offers his own daughters who are virgin to be abused. See the moral decay of this society. And we are talking about the people of Israel. And as I said, if with this word, we can remember that this is, was the same thing that Lot did in Sodom and Gomorrah. But thanks be to God that at this time, the angels of the Lord were with uh, Lot and they prevented those men to sexual abuse Lord's daughter. But in this case, unfortunately, it is the people of Israel doing that to another fellow Israelite, meaning that Israel has transformed themselves in Sodoma and Gomorrah. They have acquired that mentality of the world that was surrounded them and they live and they act upon that culture. These are the people that were the covenant people of the most holy God. Brothers and sisters, this is a very huge warning for us. Unfortunately, many in the church abound in the sexual sin, hiding because of shame. And here I need really to make a call for us men in New Life Church. When sin entered in the world, when God came to look for mankind that was fell or fall, fell, he didn't say, Eve, where are thou? No, 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 no. He asked, Adam, where are you? The man that should supposed to defend his own wife. See what the verse says over there, verse 25. Because the men of the city will not step back, the men went inside and seized his concubine. So he forced his concubine to go out and to be raped. 
by the men of that city all night long. The responsibility of defending and honoring wise that God has established in his word, he is completely negating and relegating that. Men's in New Life Church. Our family's responsibility is on our shoulders. Not because we have chosen that, but because God has given that, that to us. And he doesn't expect us to think that we are able to carry this responsibility on our own. He is there ready to help us but we need to be available. And we are not talking here about external things. We are talking about the spiritual being of our family, brothers and sisters. Spiritual battles or spiritual conflict, spiritual well-beings, are reached with spiritual material or spiritual weapons. When the Bible teaches us, men, that we need to teach the word to our families, we need to do so. We need to pray for our families, we need to do so. We cannot deny this responsibility that Christ has given us. Men's of New Life Church, where are you when it comes to the spiritual safety of our family? These men, the Bible continues, he sees that his wife, he is not valuable. And this is the third mark of the Canaanite within us. He simply forces his wife, knowing what would happen, he forces her to go instead of him. In that day, well, women and slaves, they were not cared about. But today, we do the same thing with the unborn children that we see, the, the fatherless, the sick, the physical or mentally challenged people, the immigrant, the poor, the homeless. Too many believers set them and their concern aside and put them far to their minds. Abusing women is not out there in the world. It's now in many Christian homes. And we need to cry to God about that. And here, my sister, if you are being physically abused, even if you are in New Life Church, there is a way that we can help you with. Just come and talk to us. And there are measure of steps that we can take to help you. You are available. Or your value to God, to God's eyes, 
is great and don't allow anyone to treat you as a property. So what did the Levite do then about the man's threat? That's what we saw. He pushed the wife out for her to be violated. But see what's happened uh, afterwards and it's very graphic. Verse 27, just following your Bible, verse 27. And the masters rose up in the morning, and when he opened the doors of the house and went out to go on his way, behold, there was his concubine lying at the door of the house with her hands on the threshold. He said to her, get up, let us go, let us be going. But there was not answer. Then he put her on the donkey, and the man rose up and went away to his home. And when he entered his house, he took a knife, and taking hold of his concubine, he divided her limb by limb, limb by limb into 12 pieces, and sent her throughout all the territory of Israel. And all who saw it said, such thing has never happened or been seen from the day that the people of Israel came up out of the land of Egypt until this day. Consider it, take counsel, and speak. Not a couple of things here. First, it says that the master got up. And see the twist or the, the change of the author he doesn't address the Levite anymore as a husband that as he did before, or even as Levite, he calls him a master. And this is an important uh, part of this turning uh, in, in the words. But as we say, he got up, his concubine spent the night being raped and abused so badly that she barely made it back to the steps of the home, unable to open the door or even knock while he slept totally unconcerned. In fact, he was headed home with her. When he did see her, he didn't reach out to her in a loving or concerning way. He told to her, or yes, he spoke uh, to her just like, get up and let's go. Also note that it never says that she was dead. And this is another important point here. The issue is open to whether she died from her injuries or whether he killed her himself when he cut her up into pieces. How we can understand this? how we can make sense of what is happening in Israel. Bear with me until the end, and we will see that. Fourth mark of the Canaanite within us is the one that says, me first, me first. And we see that from verses, chapter 20, verses one to verse six. You can see now that after other tribes receive the pieces of um, the women, they come and they assemble themselves in Mizpah. And then they try to understand from the, the Levite what happened. 
But here they commit also a mistake because they are just listening what happened from one source. While the word of God teaches us that at least we need to witness of the same uh, event to be to make some to settle a, a, a point or a discussion or a dispute. But the leaders they just did that alone. They oh they just heard from the Levite alone. And if you read how he tells the story, you will see that. He will skip some important uh, aspect of what happened and even trying to put himself in a good spot and not really telling that he was the one that put his wife outside and he didn't defend her, not so ever. Several times he uses I, my, me, and this is the characteristic of another characteristic or mark of the Canaanite within us. We are the society of self-centeredness. If something goes or is needed or goes wrong in our lives, we try to even just think about ourselves without thinking about others. In marriages, and yesterday when Brother Gerald was praying, he really put that very clear our pride men and wife are sometimes too big in order even for us to humble ourselves to one another and then confusion disagreement starts because of what me first i want to do what i want i don't want i don't care if my my wife or if my my husband feels knows i just want to do what i want children i just want to do what i want no matter what my father tells me i just want to do what i want i myself and me is what matter and we are living in this society in many countries like ours where business thrives we come here just thinking, okay, I'm making my money and I'll go home. No matter what, you don't, you don't have nothing to say to my life. And we live in a place where self-centeredness is experienced, even in our workplaces. And this is what the Bible is trying to warn us against. Brothers and sisters, the God that came to this world and died for us. The Bible says that he gave his life for us and he expects us to do the same thing because he said, if I have washed your feet, if you remember, you need to do that for one another. He humbled himself himself in order for us to learn how to humble ourselves. Let's continue. Time is running. The fifth mark of the Canaanite within us. We minimize sin and God's holiness. This is implied from verses 12 and verses 13a, the first part of this chapter 20. You can read by yourself. 
But in here, these leaders and Israel, after listening to the report of the Levite, they then decide to call out the tribe of Benjamin, where the city of or where the men of Gibeah belong to, and to ask for accountability of their acts. And actually, the leaders of Israel have asked them to give the men that did that to the, the concubine of the Levite. But the big people in, 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 in the tribe of Benjamin, they refused to do that. And then the Israelites, the other 11 tribes of Israel, then declared a war against Benjamin. But now pay attention to this. It was a problem of a family only between husband and wife. But now in here we see that is involving the tribe of the Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin, and then the nation of Israel. And we cannot be silenced on that, rather to apply that in our lives. Because what happens when the church cannot see in our houses affects our relationship as a church, as a body, and affect even the nation where we are at. Proof, just see this story. And the Bible is very clear in the way he narrates what we are seeing here. Brothers and sisters, what happened in our houses in spiritual realm doesn't stay in our houses. What we do when no one is seeing us doesn't only affect us, it affects everyone around us. May God give us strength for us to acknowledge this. And as individual, family, church, why not nation? We take this thing serious. The people that were called to be united, now they are fighting one another. And this leads me to my the sixth car mark of the Canaanite within us is the one that seeks revenge and not, or rather than restoration. And this is the rest of chapter 20. You need to read that for yourself. Time doesn't allow us to proceed reading. These people that were taught to forgive one another, to preserve the unity in the bond of peace, now they are fighting with one another. They are seeking revenge with one another. Their own fellow believers, their own fellow uh, brothers and sisters, so we see that the 11 tribes of Israel, they, are, they, they fight three times with the, the, the tribe of Benjamin. And only in the third time they are able to overcome them. They kill all of ben, the Benjamin, all the uh, Benjaminites, including uh, animals. They burn their towns. They completely annihilate them. It remembers me of the genocide in Rwanda, uh, in that area of Africa in 1994. And this is what the covenant people of Israel is living. 
they are living out. Brothers and sisters, today we experience in, in some, some, we experience the same thing somehow. I remember uh, Dr. Eric Zeller, one of my professors, telling the story that he went with a friend in US and it was a small town in the US. And he, he, that friend was a pastor of the Fourth Baptist Church in that town. Then in the journey that he, he, he went with his friend, his friend was telling and showing him the town and said, look, Dr. Eric, there is the First Baptist Church in this town. And then a few meters uh, after, there is the second Baptist church in uh, that town. Then the third that came out from the second and the fourth that came out from the third in a very tiny and small town in US. And in that class, he said, this is not the kind of unity that the Bible teaches us. Yes, there are values and doctrine that we need to die for it, yes, but there are things that are secondaries that cannot limit or hinder us to fellowship with one another. I'm not saying that we need to be blind to the core doctrine of Christianity, but guess what? It is not the core doctrine that is separating brothers and sisters, it's minimal things. Because we think that we know best, we think that we understand God's word best, and that should be our way of doing things. We stand our ground in those secondary things, and we become divided. While the Bible says that we need to extend grace to one another. Other mature Christians, they will say, why this believer is doing that, not understanding that he's, he's still growing and will not be patient to wait for that same life to acquire the same understanding as his, but instead he decided to separate from them. Brothers and sisters in New Life Church, we need to learn to keep the unity in the bond of peace. And also we need to learn to look for the restoration instead of revenge. The ministry that God has given us is the ministry of reconciliation to one another or to God first and then to one another. My last mark of the Canaanite within us is he justifies, oh, sorry, that the end, he says that the end justifies the means. We don't have time to read again. That's all story in chapter 21, but I'm going to summarize. After that war, the Israel, they killed all men from the tribe of Benjamin, but 600 have left and they ran away to uh, the, the desert to the rock of Rimon for four months. So after some times, and I believe after those four months, chapter 21 starts, now the men of Israel had sown at Mizpah 
that no one shall give his daughter in marriage to Benjamin, verse two. And the people came to Bethel and sat there till evening before God. And they lifted up their voices and wept bitterly and said, O Lord, the God of Israel, why has this happened in Israel? That today there should be one tribe lacking in Israel. So the Israelites here, they are blaming God for what happened. Again, that is many times our attitude towards life. When something goes wrong, why God? Why me? And this is the characteristic of these men. And we learn here that this is not what they, they what, when they finish praying to God, they then remembered another oath that they did in that assembly in Mizpah. First, uh, just to remember, they say here that because of what the Benjaminites did, they would not give their daughters for the men of Benjamin to marry. But the second, they did also a second oath that any tribe in Israel that would not be with them in the war against Benjamin, they should be destroyed. And then they have here a problem because they now come to their senses after that uh, revenge spirit steered them, steered them up to kill the Benjaminite, they come to their senses and say, oh, how we could allow that one tribe in Israel will be lacking. And they need to resolve that because there were 600 men, but they were not women because they killed all of them. So what did they decide to do then? They said, all right, because we have a second oath and they find out in that oath that the people of Jabez Gilead, they did not go to the war with them against Benjamin. So once again, in a silly uh, and fleshly and doing what was right in their own eyes, they decided then to kill all Jabez Gilead people except the virgin of that city. To give that virgins to the men of Benjamin in order for them to continue the tribe of Benjamin without even thinking the pain of those women when they saw their parents being killed by their own brothers and sisters, when they saw they are being forced into marriage because of this self, self, selfish decision of the people. Now they are there in that situation, brothers and sisters. And again, this is how Israel is living. Again, see the moral decay of the covenant people of God. Then the Bible says that they just found 400 young virgins from Jabez Gilead, but they were 
600 people or 600 men left in Benjamin. So 200 difference. They have now another brilliant idea. They say, look, there is one festival there in Shiloh where the daughter of Shiloh, they come to a place to dance. Please go there, kidnap those uh, women and make them your wife. And when they will come to us, we will say, oh, be gentle, be gracious to them. That's what the people of Israel is saying here. Brothers and sisters, what can we do about all this that we are listening this morning? As we come to the end of the study of judges, I hope we realize that we too live in a dark darkness culture. Our world is very similar to the world of that day. Everyone does what is right in their own eyes rather than what is right in the eyes of God. However, our biggest threat is falling to see the darkness within ourselves. The Canaanites within say we aren't our brother's keeper. And then the Canaanite within us would say that if I want to do something, it justified the means if the end is good. We must seek out the Canaanite within ourselves or that the spirit within us will not get hold of us and come to that place of repentance and the end of ourselves so that God can forgive us. One very thing we learned from here. We can ask why, why did God do this? Why he allowed this to happen, this evil to happen and displayed with this clarity in his word for us? The answer to that question is that God allowed that to happen for us to know and to understand what price we pay when we sin against him. When we say, God, I don't want you to be involved in my life. I want to be God for myself to know and to do what is right in, in my own eyes. This is the consequence. You see, people out there, if you say you are being rebelled against God, convert, come to God. They could not see the consequences of their sin, of their rebellion, until they see in the news that someone did what these men of the Benjamin, the Benjaminite did with that concubine of the Levite. When they see that, that sense of, of moral comes to them, but that's the consequence of the sin of mankind and this is a call for us as we say in the beginning this is not something that happened outside there it happened in the covenant people of god this book ends with a note of desperation it tells this story 
and it just ends saying in verse 25, in those days, there was not king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So is there a hope for us? Brothers and sisters, unlike these Levites that should take people of God back to him, we have the son of the living God that has opened a new and living way for us at the cross of Calvary. Unlike this Levite that pushed and gave his wife to be raped to the enemies, Christ defended his bride by dying and not allowing his bride to pay the penalty for their sins. This same Christ, which is alive now, the Bible says that he purifies his wife, his bride, future wife, his bride, with his word. Brothers and sisters, unlike this Levite, we as the bride of our Lord Jesus Christ, we can trust in him with all our heart and he will do what he says that he will do in us. But we need to resolve in our hearts to live a holy life because of what he did for us in order to see the promises that he made in his word accomplish in us. May God bless his word this morning. Let's pray. Father, this was a very stressed week, even thinking about this message, because it didn't expose the heart, even of the people around me, it exposed my own heart and my the marks of the Canaanites within me, Lord. And I was battling first because of the content of this chapter, but after it was, if I was worthy to lift up my word, my voice towards my brothers and sisters, Lord. But I remembered what Christ did for us at the cross of Calvary. I remember that it is through his blood that I am justified, Lord. And everyone else is justified, not for anything we have done, but because of our Lord Jesus Christ that you have forgiven us. As Isaiah, we read there in Isaiah 1, as your people, as we come consciously to you confessing our sins, the Bible says that you will cleanse us white as snow, even if our sins are red like scarlet. And we praise you for your faithfulness. Lord, it is a heavy book, but there is a hope that we see in this book. 
which is the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one that is our bridegroom who is preparing us, defending us, praying for us before your throne. And we expect for that day, O oh Lord, that we will see him face to face. And as we await, not only as individual, not only as a family, but as a new life church, we pray. And the church, even in UAE, Lord, we pray. Bind us together in love. Bind us together in unity. And may your sanctifying grace be at work within us so that we may worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen.